Jen, it's Fantasy Festivus and time to air your fantasy grievances. Who let you down this week? Well, this week, my my fantasy grievances is directed towards the every other week wide receiver. <laughs> I tried to kind of come up with a better name for it, like the alternators or the, I don't know. I can't really come up with anything, but we're just going to call them the every other week wide receivers. These are the guys that produce every other week, right? Which is the most frustrating thing in the universe, because if you're on the wrong side of it, you can literally lose a league. Uh, based on that, I'm talking about, so I, listen, there's a ton of guys out there, but I just pulled a few. Um, I'm talking about uh, Darnell Mooney, who uh, in the last three weeks has put up 1.4 half PPR points, then a, then a 16, then a 5. We're looking at Lavishka Chenault, similar. He put up 6.8, <laughs> then a 14, then a 6. And then Rondale Moore is my third guy, who he's a little bit, he's not necessarily an alternating, but week two he put up 20.9. Week three and four, single digits, 1.4 to 5.2. And then in week five, he put up a 12. So these guys are killing me, and I'm sure killing most of you guys out there. Super frustrating because it's tough to decipher. Not enough to actually drop them because they do go off, but then you don't know what to do with them. So that is my Fantasy Festivist Grievance of the Week. I love it. Can we call this the Christian Kirk All-Stars? Can we do that? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's ve- very closely resembles the Andre Reed All-Stars, which is the mm. every other year receiver. The receiver <laughs> who kills it one year and then terrible the next then kills it one year. I love it. This is fantastic. Now let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to The Most Accurate Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Niles, and with me are my excellent co-hosts, Jen Akins and Chris Allen. Chris, how's it going today, buddy? I'm doing well. I'm doing much better than, I guess, some of the other skill position players that we've seen injured over the past couple of days. It's just been an absolute nightmare for folks that are rostering some of these players, and I just... I feel bad. I mean, after watching Saquon Barkley get get rolled up, uh, also seeing what Daniel Jones go down with a concussion. I mean, just so many players, so many good players that I mean, we're we're depending on on a week to week basis to see him hurt like that so early on in the season has just been tough. But I'm doing great. I'm, I'm hoping you guys are doing the same. Jenna, how are you doing? Other than being mad at Christian Kirk and everybody else, <laughs> I am actually. I'm good. I, I'm I'm doing well. Uh, it was a crazy crazy fantasy week. It was a nice. Home week, though, personal life-wise, my son had, uh, I guess they call it a fall break. (laughs) He had Thursday and Friday off from school, so we got to do some fun stuff, did a little go-karting, did some, you know, Halloween decorating, things like that, so it was good. Um, But bringing it back to fantasy, uh, or I guess football in general, Chris, what what, what are your big surprises uh, from this past week? So I've got two just from watching the game last night, and I know that the big the big discussion is just around the Chiefs' offense as a whole, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get to that in just a minute. But just watching the Bills' dominance last night, and it's great to see Josh Allen really doing his thing and getting back on track. Uh, but I'm still somewhat surprised as to how the receiving has worked out within that team. We haven't seen Stephon Diggs really step up as like the wide receiver one, even though the target share has for the most part been there. It's really been like Dawson Knox, which has been the somewhat of the surprise being like the key element to the Bills passing game. But I'm really surprised about Cole Beasley. I mean, the last two weeks, four total targets across four weeks, uh, across the past two weeks rather, after seeing 13, I mean, 13 targets in weeks one and three. And so 
I'm just wondering what's going on if we're not capable of relying on him for that weekly short ADOT targets that really propelled him into, at the very least, the wide receiver two flex conversation last year. And with Emmanuel Sanders, not only just operating on the slot, but also seeing those downfield targets, catching those two touchdowns last night. I believe that puts him at four touchdowns on the entire season, seeing steady targets of about like somewhere between six, seven, eight targets a week. I mean, has Cole Beasley now been, I guess, moved back or relegated to like the third or fourth option in that passing game? Because now with Dawson Knox still being a part of the team or st still being a larger part of the offense as well. I don't know. I'm just really surprised as to we couldn't really bank on those targets that we had assumed from last season. So, I mean, Jen, are, I mean, you also surprised like with this? Because I, I know that we were kind of down on, uh, the, I guess, you know, Cole Beasley because of just his comments throughout the offseason. But at least we thought he was going to have a bigger role than this, right? Yeah, yeah, I am actually surprised. It's funny, I was doing, I guess, similar research to you this morning for my dead weight report, and uh, he's on there. So he will be on there on, on that report released on Tuesday morning because I just feel like he's not, uh, like you said, he's he's the forgotten guy. And I mean, he's behind Diggs, Sanders, and Knox in targets for the last two weeks. So I don't know if it has anything to do with, you know, his comments or any of that, and I doubt it because, you know, uh, football teams usually, you know, want to win. <laughs> they don't really care about that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, I think it's um, it's concerning for people that have him rostered and were hoping that he was going to be, you know, a wide receiver too, or fantasy wide receiver too. So uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that offense is scoring a lot of points and uh, doing well, and yet he's not there. And the thing that's also interesting is that they were, you know, looking at last night's game. I mean, they were. They were ahead. They were they were crushing basically, you know. And I'm looking at the schedule. Like the schedule doesn't really get a lot harder. They're, I think it's going to be similar type situations. So I don't know if he's going to get any more volume. Right. I think that's part of my at least concern for Beasley, like moving forward. Because Brandon, if I'm looking at this, uh, if folks go over to 44.com and they check our strength of schedule, uh, look at some of the tools we have like regarding strength of schedule, Buffalo has one of the easiest passing games moving forward. I mean, if we thought last night was any indication what they get, Tennessee next week, they go on by in week seven, Miami, Jacksonville, uh, they get the Jets in week 10, Indianapolis in week 11. So there's really nothing that mm -hmm. really scares us from a passing perspective. So Brandon, I mean, are you really just ready to pull the plug on Cole Beasley unless we see any demonstrable change like over the next week or so? Yeah, you know, in a full PPR, I'll probably keep him on the back end of my roster, but I need him to string together a couple uh, a couple weeks in a row of eight-plus targets like we were seeing from him last year before I trust him in a lineup uh, just because he's only got two out of five games where he's been even fantasy relevant at this point, uh, which is unfortunate. Uh, he's joining the Christian Kirk All-Stars now. I'm also, <laughs> most importantly, I'm really concerned if he stinks and he's no longer good and he's no longer relevant, then is my dream of Cole Cole world with the collaboration with Jake Cole not going to happen? That's my worry. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that I think that makes sense. And I know for some folks that we came in like my prior coming into the season was that it was going to be Gabe Davis would be the one that would be left out in the cold. And we saw some of that towards the back end of last year, of course, like Gabe Davis popped up in the playoffs. But if we're looking at 
who is capable of being like the, I guess, consistent targets in that offense. Of course, it'd be Diggs. Uh, we thought it was going to be Beasley, but also Emmanuel Sanders just for the type of role that he was playing. And we've got off-season indications that Emmanuel Sanders had already started connecting with Josh Allen. Dawson Knox is something of a surprise also, but it's just, I don't know what to do with Colby as we move forward. We'll see if some of those targets start to oscillate back to him. But without them getting pressed to really open up that passing game given their schedule, I don't know if that's really going to be the case. But, of course, let's go ahead and just hop right into Let the me, big topic. of. Oh, go ahead. I just want to add one more thing. I, I'm looking at Josh Allen's pass attempts, right? And against Washington and Pittsburgh, which are the two games that Cole Beasley had double-digit targets, those were games where Josh Allen threw the ball 43 and 51 times. The other three games, he hasn't thrown the ball more than 33 times. It really goes to what both of you said, that the schedule moving forward doesn't look like a situation where Josh Allen's going to have to throw the ball more than 33 mm-hmm. times. So, yeah, I think we need to be concerned about all those guys for all the reasons you just said so so i just want to tack that on oh yeah absolutely so it might be great for josh allen so for folks that were i don't know maybe somewhat concerned about the bills offense as a whole during that first couple of weeks like where they what they lost to the steelers which now even looking at this looking at it in here in week five that just seems ridiculous to think about but also having some of those i guess I don't know, sputter starts uh, in the red zone and not really converting or having that red zone efficiency that we had expected them to. But now with the schedule being so easy, like I just mentioned a bit ago, yeah, I don't don't know. It's like unless they're really pressed into like some of those games like we expected to see against Kansas City last night, I don't really see the opportunity for Beasley really changing all too much unless some sort of injury or something like that occurs. But we'll we'll see. Uh, But of course, like the big news, uh, at least not really big news, but just big takeaways from last night being Kansas City's offense. And I, I don't know. I, I, I had some, I guess, not concern, but I just thought it was interesting that both teams, right, both the Bills and, and the Chiefs are kind of put together like they're very fragile offenses, right, because the skilled players on both teams are headlined by, I don't want to say old, but let's at least admit that they are older skilled position players. I mean, Stefan Diggs, I mean, in the prime of his career, but he's not as young as he was like when we, when we saw him in Minnesota. Same thing for Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, and so on and so forth. I mean, the same thing for the Chiefs. Tyreek Hill is no spring chicken at this point in his career. And Travis Kelsey is getting up there in age as well. So I just found it interesting that we're always glomming on to these offenses, even like Devontae Adams so on and so forth that are featuring older players and we saw it really kind of come down uh last night against the bills where they just weren't able to get anything done on the ground like once the bills were able to apply at least a little bit of pressure against uh against patrick mahomes so i don't know i mean jen are you really taking too much away from the chiefs offense as of right now are you i guess not like not necessarily trying to trade away any of your players are like are you trying to trade away travis kelsey are you trying to uh, trade away uh, tyreek hill because of also like he's also has a minor knee injury if i heard the reports correctly coming out of last night i mean are you trying to move any of those pieces or the key pieces of the chiefs offense that we typically want to roster or are you just trying to hold pat and think things will get better I'm holding Pat with with the Chiefs. I I don't think that they're uh, in trouble as far as the fantasy pieces. I mean, they may be in trouble as far as real-life football, and they may not be destined for the Super Bowl, uh, but I do think that the pieces will be fine. I think that uh, whatever kinks they have or whatever's happening, I think will be fine. I mean, Tyreek Hill right now is, you know, wide receiver three in in total fantasy points, and 
you know, he's wide receiver three in fantasy points per game as well. So, um, you know, injury-wise, he, he, that does happen. But I don't think that the, the panic mode is definitely not uh, to be within reach here, uh, or arm's length is what I meant to say, um, for, the, for the Chiefs. You know, Kelsey, you know, listen, we all know tight end – you're not, you're not, you're not moving Travis Kelsey because you're, you're not getting anything else. You know, Travis Kelsey is still the tight end one right now in fantasy points after five weeks, even with a, you know, he had a single digit week in week four. Uh, but I think that there are going to be just fine. I'm not panicking. No, I, I'm really not either. But Brandon, I guess kicking it over to you. I know some folks in the fantasy community they they want to argue about. Uh, or they want to try and bank on consistency. Like they want to be able to at least put those guys on their starting roster and at the very least come back with 9, 10, 12 points at the very least for a good floor. And then if they wind up hitting their ceilings like the Tyreeks have in the past, like the Travis Kelseys have in the past, or even Patrick Mahomes has in the past, and at least have that at least bankable production on a weekly basis with access to that ceiling. We're not ne- We're not necessarily seeing that on a week-to-week basis for either of those guys. I mean, now we saw Travis Kelsey finally get into the box after being absent like, in the past couple of weeks. So, I mean, are, are you also in the in the camp of, it's the Chiefs, they'll figure it out. I mean, do, don't don't panic yet. We're only in week five. Is that where you're, is that where you're currently at? Yeah, you know, I, I'm a little worried about Clyde Edwards-Alaire's injury and uh, the running game in general. I'm a little worried about whether or not I trust Daryl Williams or will Jarek McKinnon be a part of it. But as far as the pass catchers are concerned, uh, the only thing that I'm really pulling away from the first five weeks is not so much about Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey, who are the big three there, is really just uh, we are just not going to find a second receiver in Kansas City. We've been looking for years. Sammy Watkins, uh, you know, he'd pop. He'd do some Christian Kirk work for you. McCole Hardman looks like he's doing the same thing. He's Every once in a while he pops up, he had nine catches, 76 yards. That's a solid stat line in PPR formats, but that's not what you're getting week to week from him. And so I, I, whether it's Josh Gordon or Byron Pringle or McCole Hardman, Hardman, I, I think what I'm taking from the first five weeks is I can't trust a wide receiver two in Kansas City, and I want to make stop trying to make it happen. Insert uh, Mean Girls gif. Stop trying to make it happen. <laughs> well, it's like New Orleans yeah. for all those years. It's like you had to stop trying to make that happen too because it didn't happen. Yeah, because we tried. Yeah, because mm-hmm. we we tried to make Traquan Smith a thing, and that never worked out. I mean, we pretty much tried to do the same thing with Marquez Callaway, and that might be coming to fruition, but really, that's never worked out either. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you, Jen. Now, I think that, uh, but I I agree with both of you in that if we're looking at things from an opportunity standpoint. Chiefs offense still top five in pass rate above expectation. We're still seeing them throw down the field. We're still seeing them throw while in the red zone. So if you're attached to Patrick Mahomes, at least from an aerial perspective, then at least the production should come. But I agree with you, Brandon. I mean, trying to force Demarcus Robinson, Byron, Byron Pringle. I mean, it's good seeing Josh Gordon come down with the catch. I mean, that's just me from a, like a fanboy perspective. Yeah. But- we're not ex- we're not expecting like fantasy like relevant production from them. Yeah, so I'm rooting that, for the kid too, but no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, but I'm not putting them in my starting roster yep. at, least, at least not yet, unless something <laughs> really like demonstrable changes. And it's just now, especially with the news from earlier today, it is somewhat sad to see uh, Juju Smith-Schuster going down with season-ending injury when he had the chance to sign with the Chiefs and then now just see his his season and possibly his time in Pittsburgh come to the, come to an end 
on that type of a note. It's just kind of sad to see what the Chiefs could have had. I mean, I thought that would have been an excellent fit, especially seeing how guys like Sammy Watkins have been able to at least pop up for games. I think Juju could have been, could have been used similarly. So what could have been, right? What, what could have been? Uh, the last... Uh, surprise, I guess, that coming out of week five for me is, I don't know, maybe some folks that are either Jets fans or just Sam Darnold haters in general are probably not that surprised, but just seeing Sam Darnold completely regress after a full month of seeing at least legitimate progress from him as a passer and being integrated into the Panthers offense. I thought that at the very least he had been able to provide a baseline or like a decent like floor type of production on a weekly basis if you do have DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall. I mean, so many skill position players that we're at least excited to watch on a weekly basis and to see him completely fall back to what like almost like New York Jets Sam Darnold and like clean pocket efficiency, so on and so forth. I mean, completely working back, just being able to, uh, uh, buckling under pressure. I believe it was the Eagles, they were able to register pressure on 46 or 47%, 47% of Sam Darnold's dropbacks on Sunday. So to see him buckle like that, it gives me some concerns about him moving forward considering Carolina's uh, uh, offensive line is not that strong. Uh, so while I had been advocating for Sam Darnold as a weekly streamer, it's just now he becomes more of a matchup based starter now that it's been pretty much it's evident that he still has some, I guess, some flaws as a passer when it comes to dealing with pressure. Uh, so, Jen, I mean, are you that surprised with Sam Darnold or were you kind of shocked to see just how badly he flipped from after seeing such goodness from him for about a month? I don't know if I was surprised per se, but I was bummed. I've kind of been a secret Sam Darnold fan uh, <laughs> for the past few years, and I was kind of excited that he, you know, had such a strong start, and, and people were so against him, you know, from his time in the Jets, and, and when he got to the Panthers, people just wrote him off the entire draft season. So I was excited to see him kind of buck, you know, the, the expectations and, and play well. Uh, but like you said, I don't know – I don't know if he had reached the point of, of, a, of a starter anyway. I think he was still in, in the streaming conversation or a desperation starter. So I feel like he kind of remains there. It could have just been one bad game, you know, against an Eagles, you know, defense that, that played him well and, and game planned him well. So um, I think he still is possibly in the streaming conversation, especially because we're having so many injuries at quarterback. Um, but, you know, I'm hoping to see a little bit of a bounce back here and have that be kind of a one a one game blip. But we'll see. Yeah, hopefully that's the case. I mean, I know that now with we're entering the, the bye weeks for the fantasy football mm-hmm. season and what they, we've got Atlanta's on bye. We got the Jets on bye, obviously, because they're playing in London. The Saints are on bye this week as well. And uh, the 49ers are also on bye. And plus, like Trey Lance also has some sort of uh, ankle injury, if I'm remembering correctly as well. So it's just you've got your quarterback pool is obviously decreased. So Sam Darnold might be forced into your lineup. Brandon, where are you at with Sam Darnold after seeing him on Sunday? Uh, well, I'm surprised he didn't keep up his pace of 22 rushing touchdowns this season. Um, <laughs> I was hoping that would. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I think he is kind of who we thought they were. This is the time of year where things kind of regress to the mean. Things kind of normalize a little bit. I don't think he's the guy that showed up in Philly. Um, I, you know, I, I think I, I want to credit uh, Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator for the Eagles, who's really been maligned in the media uh, all season so far. Uh, you know, he's had a really good, uh, he had a really good game plan. Uh, Darius Slay was there, did a great job, mostly covering DJ Moore on the day. 
Uh, and Sam Darnold just struggled because of it. They uh, they got a lot of pressure on him. I think he was sacked three times, threw three picks. They got down in the second half, and it, it just didn't turn out. I'm anxious for when Christian McCaffrey comes back, and I hope Christian McCaffrey comes back uh, strong because that offense looks different with him in it. And I think that Carolina has a pretty good schedule the next few weeks. So I, I'm still going to look at him as a streaming option. But like Jen said, he I think he's always been a matchup guy and not someone that I was selling the farm for. Right. I think that's I think that's true. I've seen some folks make have been making some trades for Sam Darnold, being able to trade away Sam Darnold for some decent pieces after seeing his hot starts to start the season. But if we're really he's only been tested against what Dallas the week prior and then now seeing that what happened to him with uh, against Philadelphia, some folks might be a little bit gun shy to go ahead and proclaim Sam Darnold as at least a fringe top 12 quarterback. And I think that's kind of where he was sitting at after such a great start to the season. But either way, uh, I mean, that's it's kind of a surprise to me. But either way, I mean, for, with the fantasy football now really getting underway with the bye weeks coming up. I mean, Brandon, can you tell us a bit more about ways for us to spice up our fantasy season? Absolutely, listeners. Let me tell you about the easiest and most fun way to spice up your football season. It's Underdog Fantasy and their brand new Pick'em game. Just pick over or under on your favorite or least favorite player's stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Just pick between two and five players and win you some cold, hard cash. First-time depositors should head to 444.com slash underdog, claim your free 444 Pro subscription, and get $10 in bonus cash to play with this weekend. All right, let's do the buy or sell segment. Uh, news kind of broke as we were recording this. John Gruden's out. Uh, as the Raiders head coach, that's uh, that that's official now, so that's not going to happen. Uh, so I'll start with you, Jen. Uh, Raiders players, does this affect anything for you? Uh, you know, I don't know about fantasy wise. I'm still kind of. I mean, I'm not surprised by any stretch that, that John Gruden that all of that stuff was I know. You know, uncovered. I know. But Nothing I mean, really God, surprises you. No, anymore, but like, you, know? <laughs> you look at it. He hit. He hit it all right. He hit homophobia. You know, race misogyny i mean my lord you know well, look, he, he, if you're gonna, <laughs> he doesn't do anything half oh uh, you're right half there measure. You go. no yeah. half measures from john that does Gruden. make sense um i'm not <laughs> sure i guess we have to wait and see who the interim who they're gonna have be the head coach uh you know at this point in the season but i feel like i don't know that he was this you know genius person that, that you know i feel like it's going to be kind of all systems go as it was you know i don't know that we can really downgrade players based on john gruden maybe we can i guess i guess it's a wait and see sitch of who's you know who's going to end up being the head coach and how they're going to move forward yeah you know greg olson's the offensive coordinator you know he's kind of like a, a an old hand might have the same kind of idea i'd be interested to see uh who they elevate to that role as well but i, I figured it was worth at least mentioning it since it happened oh, yeah. like right as we hit record on this yeah. Uh, I want to talk, Chris, about some of the backup running backs uh, because, as you mentioned at the top of the show, we had some injuries this weekend, and we had some players kind of show up uh, in new roles that we're uh, not sure what to do with. Let's start with those Kansas City Chiefs. Are you buying in Daryl Williams as the lead back there? Um, are you concerned that Jarek McKinnon might play in there? How are you approaching the Kansas City backfield with uh, Clyde edwards aware likely out a few weeks? I, I'm approaching it just as the same as most folks have been approaching CEH throughout the season is that Daryl, uh, like Daryl Williams is the guy that you'd want to have, like should something happen to Clyde Edwards-Lair, but I'm not going overboard with it. And the reason for that is that 
they just aren't using their running backs like in the passing game like as like at least as we had hoped and that's been the case like since Clyde Edwards-Lair was drafted by the Chiefs there was the expectation that because of CEH's ability back in uh, back in college at LSU that he would have at least a larger portion of the passing attack and that just hasn't been the case we even win they've substituted out CEH. Like while Daryl Williams has been involved sparingly in the passing game, popped up for six, seven, eight percent target share here and there. Jerick McKinnon has also been used on uh, on passing plays as well, three to four percent target share if I'm remembering correctly. It's just not enough to move the needle from a fantasy perspective. So I'm not going all out to pick up Daryl Williams unless we're expecting over the next few weeks for them to be in those types of situations where uh, Daryl Williams is going to be able to take a short touchdown run like into the end zone, which he has been able to do, and they have used him in those situations. Because this week they're playing against uh, Washington, not really expecting a ton of production there. Uh, Tennessee uh, Tennessee, and the Giants are uh, they, what they've got upcoming over the next couple of weeks. So again, it doesn't really lend itself to rushing production. At least that's not my expectation. So without more production, or at least not as much opportunity available on the ground for either of the two, I'll put in my minimal waiver wire, you know, fab uh, fab bids for both of them. But even if I get them, unless you're really in a pinch, unless you've also suffered injuries elsewhere, I'm not really looking forward to starting either of them. Makes sense. You're really just hoping, you know, if you do grab one and you do stash, uh, they pop one week and then maybe the next week you can do it. That makes sense to me. Uh, Jen, let's go over to the Giants here. I think uh, the Giants are so hurt right now. They called you to play running back, didn't they, Jen? Uh, yeah, they sure did. And, uh, yeah, no, that would be, that would be a disaster. I would be, I would be plowed over. I am 5'10", so I do have the height of of a Mm -hmm. potential running back, but I would be, uh, I would turn into dust. I would be plowed over. Yeah. On one, one play. Uh, but no, I mean, listen, I I assume that, you know, Devontae Booker, right. Is, is, is the next man up there. And, Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. I've never really been a Devontae Booker uh, fan slash backer, whatever you want to say. But, you know, he had 19 touches this past week. With... I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, can we can we call them the Booker backers? Can we call that now? Now that you <laughs> I said like that? that. Yeah. I, think, I think we might have to. Hashtag I mean, Booker backers. I'm if sorry, they, go ahead. Do they exist? I mean, if they're out there, yes. The Booker they're backers. out there. All right. Well, the Booker backers, um, there you go. But no, I mean, listen, he had 19 touches this week with, uh, you know, with Barkley injured. Um, and scored two touchdowns. So, I mean, you know, we can't really turn our noses at that, right? Even though, like I said, I'm not I'm not a huge fan. But I believe with everyone else in that entire uh, team, you know, in, in a medical tent at some point, then I feel <laughs> like he's got to take on something. I'm not sure exactly what they're um, – I should know who they play this week, but I don't. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's one of those players that you do have to go after on the waiver wire because I'm sure that uh, plenty of fantasy managers out there are um, struggling not only with injuries on their own team, but then we have bias starting. So um, I'm sure that he will be one of the hot waiver wire ads this week. Yeah, if he can get 19 touches, you know, that gives you such a nice score. Mm-hmm. They play the Rams this week, who have been mm. iffy to run against. They've, there's been some success, and they've also shut down some players. Let's stick with the Giants, Chris. I want to hear about rookie Kadarius Tony, who I know is a little nicked up right now and uh, isn't 
certain to be healthy next week. I know it's kind of up in the air. Hopefully, we'll learn more about that as the week progresses. But Kadarius Tony came out. He threw a pass. Didn't complete it, but he threw a pass. Had a run for seven yards. 13 targets, 10 catches, 189 yards. This is a guy that I was heavily critical of. I, I mean, I liked him as a talent, but as a first-round pick, I called it a luxury pick the Giants didn't have. Uh, sure looks like I was dead wrong so far. Are you buying Kadarius Tony? Yeah, he threw a pass. He threw a punch, too, uh, if memory serves. He did throw a punch. Yesterday. <laughs> uh, on, to on top of that, uh, which I don't know, with Joe Judge being the, like, a quote-unquote football guy, like, type of head coach, I wonder if he's going to wind up in some sort of proverbial doghouse afterwards. But I really think that, uh, like, what, what's what's the phrase? Uh, uh, necessity is the mother of an in invention. Yeah. And I think that that's part of why we've seen, like, Tony start to be out there on the field a bit more because – it was he was down to what 30 about 30 percent of the snaps for the first couple of weeks and then now with Darius Slayton out uh Sterling Shepard also out uh the, what else are you going to expect in terms of from an opportunity standpoint like for Kadarius Tony what are they going to still continue to let their first round draft picks on the bench like Joe Judge would have been fired on the spot mm -hmm. so but it's good to see that Everything that we thought about Kadarius Tony from an athletic perspective has has borne out. Like once we've seen him get the ball in his hands, quick twitch ability, that athletic speed, that quickness, that burst, all of that is there. It's just what's the opportunity going to look like moving forward? I mean, we're expecting Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton to come back, expect them to be back in the rotation. Hopefully Evan Ingram gets over whatever is plaguing him right now from a production yes. standpoint. But either way, if all things being equal, if all of those pass catchers were there and healthy, what is Tony's role in that offense moving forward? And that's the difficult part for me to square. I can't expect him to get 13 targets a game for the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming it's the, the answer lies somewhere in the middle, but without seeing more from the entire group as a unit with everybody there being healthy, it's difficult to say. So that's where I'm not going to go overboard, but I, I do think very, like, I think he's better. He's a better stash on your bench than like any of the running backs that we've discussed so far. Sure. But without knowing what his opportunity is going to be, like once those other, once, once those guys comes back, it becomes difficult. Yeah. That uh, makes sense. Um, Jen, I want to shift. Uh, let's stay in the NFC and let's talk running backs again. Uh, David Montgomery was out and you were a big Damian Williams uh, proponent and he did get work uh, last week, but Khalil Herbert also had, uh, you know, I think he had almost 20 touches on the day. Uh, pretty much split time with Williams. They were kind of equally effective. Uh, is Khalil Herbert worth buying? I think so. I think it depends on, you know, your, your specific roster and what you have going on. But yeah, because the usage was there. And, you know, Khalil Herbert, let's see, he had, they, they both had 18 touches last week. So, I mean, I don't know if you just said that or not, but it was an even, you know, and it was an even split. So I think, you know, a lot of people probably went after Damian Williams last week. And so I feel like, you know, Khalil Herbert, um, it will be available for people to grab. And I feel like, yeah, I mean, with bye weeks starting and injuries, why not? You know, I grabbed, I grabbed both in, in a league or two. So, um, you know, once again, it presents a tough situation where we have to decide <laughs> what's going to happen and what the usage will be this week versus, you know, last week. But I think he's definitely someone that, uh, you know, if you're in a pinch and you need that help, yeah, why not? Chris, you're my quarterback guy. So are you picking up Geno Smith and streaming him moving forward? Um, Russell Wilson going to be out for a little while. Got to figure out what to do at that position. He's obviously probably carrying your team. Is Geno Smith with that rushing upside that he showed uh, against the Rams Thursday night, is he worth grabbing? 
worth grabbing, I think, just because the, just because of the bye weeks. Uh, actually, I do have a, a, like a full paragraph like of him going up against the Steelers this upcoming week. And I think it's important to contextualize like Smith's uh, game against the Rams because what he was dropped into what the uh, what the beginning of the fourth quarter when they were down by at least what a score two scores and but still like the passing rate was still there they passed on 79.2 percent of their plays uh, 52 uh, 52 53 percent of those were short and intermediate so it wasn't like he was just dinking and dunking and trying to hit behind the line of scrimmage so and I'm still I looking back at that play where that that caused the interception. It did look like either Tyler Lockett got pushed down, fell down, hoping to get the flag or whatever the case may be. I don't think I don't put that interception on Geno Smith. So at the very least, all of the opportunity, all of the passing rate, like all of the mobility was there and good enough for Geno Smith to be at least a decent, uh, a viable quarterback. It's just what is that game environment going to look like against the Steelers? We have to be concerned about pace against that game. Neither of those teams are above the league average in terms of neutral pace. So if I'm only going to be at least uh, optimistic about the passing volume and that game total, if I'm remembering correctly, is also like at 42, 43 as of right now with both quarterbacks. I mean, we already know Russell Wilson's going to be out, but Ben Roethlisberger is nursing yet another injury. I really can't see a ton of overall production that would put Geno Smith in the top or even like deep streaming options, but he's a guy I am considering for week six. So bet the under on that game, you're saying. That's what. <laughs> oh, yeah, probably, yeah. Uh, Jen, you and I uh, both really like Dan Arnold in Carolina. He had six catches on eight targets, had a pretty solid game. He did have a fumble. Uh, Urban Meyer's talking big on him. Is it possible we were right just on the wrong team? Because now that he's a Jaguar, he seems to be uh, – elevating his game a little bit at a much needed position. Are we buying Dan Arnold as a streamer? I really find it hard to buy anybody on that team. There's so, <laughs> no, I'm see. I mean, it's so sporadic. It's like, you can't count on. I mean, James Robinson is about the only piece you can actually count on at this exact, you know, you've got, I mean, even Marvin Jones is up and down. The is up and down. Chark is now out. Arnold all of a sudden, I mean, I would love to think that because, you know, it's it's everything's been so inconsistent that maybe Arnold will, will be the, you know, the, the new glue that shows up and kind of, you know, I don't know, everyone swirls around him and he continues to get all these targets. But I don't know if we can count on him as a starter. I think he's definitely stream worthy, though, in matchups. Excellent. And uh, one more name, Chris, I want to throw at you. Uh, rookie receiver Amon Ross St. Brown, the Lions. Not a lot to be excited about offensively so far this year outside of DeAndre Swift. Uh, but Amon Ross St. Brown, two straight weeks with eight targets. Uh, there's really no one else there. Quintez Cephas has just got hurt. He may be out this season or at least for an extended time. Uh, what do you think about Amon Ross St. Brown? Is it time to add him to rosters? I think that's possible. It's just that I know a lot of folks will see that what the DET or the fact that he's attached to a Jared Goff-led offense mm -hmm. and probably not want to click the button because we've heard mostly uh, mostly stuff about Khalif, uh, was it Khalif Raymond, Quintus Cephas, and everybody's hoping that TJ Hawkinson will start to become a larger part of the offense. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on there. So trying to buy into a fourth pass catcher attached to the Lions offense might be difficult. But yeah, like you mentioned, the targets have been there on a weekly basis. They're playing against the Bengals this week. And if I remember correctly, that that game total is like much better than the Seattle and Pittsburgh <laughs> game that we were just talking about. Uh, at least from uh, both from a game total perspective pace might be up a little bit because the Lions have been at least around the league average in terms of neutral pace so I think at least there that gives you some I guess desire some optimism 
uh, for him. But that's more of a deeper stash, especially mm -hmm. just for the just this week that I would look at Amon Ross St. Brown because even without, uh, I mean, I'm assuming that Chidobi Awuzie will probably be focused on whomever that's going to be on the perimeter for the Lions. It could open up some more work for Amon Ross St. Brown, who's spent most of his time in the slot, mm -hmm. had most of his targets have been either short in the intermediate areas of the field. He hasn't been seeing too many deep targets. So if we're looking for maybe a few short targets that he can maybe take to the house or maybe even get some yards after the catch, which was his calling card back in college anyway, I can see that being at least a deeper play for week six. Excellent, excellent. He's in and my stash article this week, just so you know. Nice. There we go. So He's we in there. Lockstep. Yep. I love I love that listeners get these previews of the stash <laughs> article and the QB streamers article, the droppables. It's great. It's one of my favorite things about recording with you guys on Monday nights. Uh, folks, this podcast is also brought to you by Superdraft Fantasy, the official fantasy partner of Caesars Rewards. The most accurate podcast listeners get an instant $20 deposit match with their first deposit by using the promo code 4 for 4 That's 4-F-O-R-4 at registration. Get in now to play Super 15, a game everybody's seen in memes, but nobody can play until now. You'll recognize it as soon as you see it, and for the first time, you'll be able to win money by playing it. Additionally, new Superdraft users get a 4 for 4 t-shirt, or it might even be a hoodie now, and are entered to win $444 cash every week for the month of October. Download the Superdraft app and insert that 4 for 4 promo code today for your instant $20 deposit match and try it out for yourself. So finally, uh, looking ahead segment, I just want to bring up, Jen mentioned James Robinson is kind of the only viable option for the Jags. He goes up against the Dolphins and their horrendous run defense this week. He's an RB1 this week. He has 18 carries in, the last, in each of the past two games. I'm dialing up James Robinson as a, a top running back play this week. And just, just keep that in mind, just terrible matchup for this kid. Uh, Jen, what's your uh, looking ahead thought? My looking ahead, I'm I'm staying consistent because every week I kind of give a you know an upcoming stash person. So um, this week my my look ahead is Michael Gallup. We can't forget about him. He is coming back either this week or next, depending. He's in you know a very high scoring offense, and I think people uh, you know kind of forgot about him. So a lot of people dropped him for some reason, which uh, I would not have done. But he is out there, so if you can grab him early, do it. Excellent. And Chris, what are you uh, looking toward next week? So for next week, uh, Taylor Heineke, anybody? I know that yeah. Taylor Heineke, he's been doing his best Ryan Fitzpatrick impression over the past like few weeks with those like hair on fire and just like everybody's just kind of waiting to see what's going to happen at the end of the play. Like those types of decisions have been Taylor Heineke to a T since he's become the starter for Washington. But they play the Chiefs. And if the last couple of weeks have been any indication of how bad the Chiefs are on defense, I think Josh Allen pretty much put the whole league on notice and kind of highlighting how bad uh, Kansas City has been. I mean, third worst in terms of EPA per drop back allowed. I mean, they've been giving up over 300 passing yards and two touchdowns like per game, and that was before uh, Josh Allen came to Arrowhead Stadium. So Taylor Heineke, while he has been like up and down, much like his predecessor from a passing and fantasy production uh, standpoint, uh, the Washington football team, they're top 10, top 12 in terms of neutral pace. I mean, also up there in terms of neutral passing rate as well. So, and Taylor Heineke's also getting done on the ground. So I can see if we're assuming that Patrick Mahomes becomes or gets back to being Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense gets back to being the Chiefs offense in week six, 
that should push them in push them uh, by them i mean of course the washington football team and taylor heineke back into a negative script into a passing script then i would think that taylor heineke at least is the most viable quarterback streamer for week six excellent excellent get uh get those quarterback streamers in taylor heineke a nice under the radar target for you thank you chris and jen always a pleasure listeners don't forget to subscribe to this podcast you can follow us on twitter at the monday mommy at chris allen ffwx and at two guys brandon thanks so much for listening have a good day